Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you so much. you the most awesome church in the world. Yes. Kezia, Tina, Ricardo, Lizelle, Amin. Oh my God. I was in heaven. I did not want to come back down. I didn't want to come on the stage. I was like, ah, I don't want to be that pastor that interrupts this moment of worship. Oh, it was so, so good. I'm telling you, I keep telling you every week, you are spoiled for choice. I mean, just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And uh, the church is getting crowded. I told you. I told you. I told you. They were coming. And welcome, everybody who's here for the first time. We know that, uh, or the second time, or the third time, or since you've been here since the beginning of time, uh, or before time began. We're grateful that you're here. And uh, we believe that God is going to change your life today. uh, And miracles are going to happen in your life today. We truly believe that the man in front is not the most powerful man in the church. We truly believe that the person sitting next to you carries the same power, the same spirit, the same anointing that was on Jesus is right next to you. So you don't need the man in front to prophesy over you. You don't need the man in front to lay hands over you. You can just ask the person sitting next to you, brother, pray for me, prophesy over me, give me a word and it will come to pass. Come on now. This church is filled with powerful people. So today, I've got a powerful word for you. And it's going to be a good ride, okay? Psalm 23 is written by uh, King David, and it's actually one of the most intelligently written psalms. And... um, The psalm begins by talking about the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want anything, you know, in my life. And he makes me to lie down in green pastures and and leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. Wow, man, it's such a good feeling when the Lord, you know, when we come to Jesus and he he begins to shepherd us and love us and and bless us. But then, you know, the psalm kind of takes a twist. And the twist is, when the Lord starts leading us, when we go to God, he takes us into green pastures, and it feels like, wow, life is so good. And, oh, my soul is just quenched by the waters of living, uh, the rivers of living water, and there's nothing more that I need in my life. And then all of a sudden, the Lord says, okay, let's go now. And then he takes us through parts of righteousness for his namesake. Now from living 
a life where you're the recipient of the blessings and the, wow, it's green, green grass. Not that grass, green, green grass of home, you know? And, and from that place, he begins to lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, for his glory's sake, not for your sake. He leads you for his glory's sake. It's amazing when God leads us, it's not really for us, it's for him. That's a good word. And so he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then, it's the valley of the shadow of death. It's no longer green, green grass of home. And it's no longer the, the, the drinking the water and, and looking at Jesus' face and frolicking with the daffodils and playing with the angels. It's no longer all that. It's like, where the heck have you bought me? I thought I gave my life to you. I thought I'm blessed after Pastor John said last week. I am blessed. I don't need anything around me. What is happening, Jesus? And it feels like the valley of the shadow of death is all around us. And it doesn't feel like God is close to us. And then he leads us in paths of righteousness. And then in that, on those paths, he, he lays a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Not angels, enemies. <laughs> and then he, he blesses us and he gives us a good meal. And, and he anoints uh, uh, us with oil and, and fills our cups. And, which means from the water to here, you became dry. So he needs to fill your cup. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench the thirsting of my soul. And it seems like, it feels like, God, where are you? When he's the one leading us. He's still the same shepherd that was at the green, green grass of home, leading us down the path of wilderness. And that, that path, it's called the path of righteousness. It's the, it's the blessed path. And we think that just because we're blessed doesn't mean that our surroundings can't change. The surroundings can change. But the fact that you're blessed doesn't change. And so you come now from, from this path into the, into the house of the Lord. And there's something between the green, green grass of home and dwelling in the house of the Lord. It's like God is bringing us home, but on the way back, he's hanging out in some really nasty places. Are you with me? And between these two places is the most difficult part of our walk with God. It's the, it's the place where we are the most tensed, the most anxious, sometimes alone, sometimes desperate, sometimes thirsty, hungry, sometimes we have a lack of provision in this place. And this place is called the place of tension. And so today I'm going to talk to you, do you want to know what the title of my sermon? It's called Living in the Tension. <laughs> so, 
So we love the blessedness, you know. We love the green, green grass of home. And we love God's home. And we love his presence. And, and no demons are attacking us there. No demons are attacking us here. But in between this place and that place, man, like do I have to have a wilderness moment, Jesus? Like really, do you need to take me through these places? And uh, so today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you about what to do when you're in a moment of tension. Okay? So I want to start. I mean, it's a familiar Christmas story. But I want to bring out something today that would help us. Uh, because all of us go through these moments in our lives. All of us go through these moments of tension where we really don't know what to do. And so I, wanna, I want us to read from verse 28. If you're there, say amen. amen. And having come in, the angel said to her, this is Mary, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Huh. Just, just for your information. Anytime an angel comes to you and says rejoice, <laughs> it means that everything in your life will give you reason not to rejoice. Okay? So this is what we call a heads up. <laughs> okay? 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. It's like, you know, it's like my dad and a younger, uh, you know, let's say a millennial meets my dad and says, what's up? Son, what does that even mean? <laughs> That's basically what she's going through. <sighs> and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and sh shall call his name Jesus. Wow. He will be great and and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore... Also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, who, ha who has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing, for with God nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be. To me, according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to, a city, to the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Verse 41. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's good. 
We know the story and it's been repeated hundreds of times. I mean, every, if you're a Christian, if you were born, uh, the number of years that you've lived is the number of times that you've heard this story. And uh, it's, it, but I want to bring out something to you. I want to, I want to, I want to talk to you about what's really not in the book. Okay? Because it doesn't really tell you what happened to Mary when she said yes to the angel. That's right. <laughs> See, we, we often think that, that the realm of the supernatural is, is a realm that we should live in. And of course it is. But there's also a realm called earth and its pressures and cultural and, and, and culture and what society and family and traditions really put the pressure on us that really defines who we are and the decisions that we make in those moments. Can you imagine a, a virgin in those days was meant to dress differently? What you wore, the clothes that you wore told people that you were a virgin. So her family knew she was a virgin. Her friends knew she was a virgin. Her, their relatives, their, uh, their, their, the people around them in the, in the town knew that she was a virgin. But she's standing before the angel and the angel saying, you are going to be with child. And in that moment, Mary is experiencing what we call a tension. The tension of what people might think. The tension of what my mom and dad might think. The tension of what my fiancé will think. There's this whole side that is pulling onto her and then there's God's side. See, we are oftentimes put in a position by God where we have to either choose the knowledge of good and evil versus the, 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 the will of God for our lives. This moment, every time we come into this moment where we have to choose what people have to think, what society has to think, what my desires are over what God's will is for my life is the moment of tension. It is in that moment, the choice that you make in that moment of tension will determine whether you grow in the Lord or whether you grow in the flesh. It is that moment right there. What you say and what you do in that moment will determine whether you grow in the Lord as in having authority, dominion, power, the ability to be fruitful, to heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, bring transformation, which is your calling, versus giving into fear, doubt, anxiety, the pressure or the opinion of people. And what they have to say. And most times, 99% of the time, let me say 100% of the time, God does not care about culture. God doesn't care about what your opinion is. Let me tell you, in a moment of decision, the reason why God comes to you is because He believes that you can make the choice that will change billions of people's lives. Can you imagine Mary, 16 years old, standing in this moment, has a visitation of a pretty scary angel. And he tells her, you're going to be pregnant with the Son of God. You're going to carry God in your womb. And now you're going to, you're going to bring this child into the world. And this child will call, be called Jesus. And he will be the, the king of his tribe. 
And he will be the savior of the world. Can you imagine how many times you have received prophetic words? How many messages have you listened to in church? How many times you fell asleep when Gabriel was talking to you? <laughs> huh? You're sitting in church and you think, man, this guy's going to preach now. I'd rather sing and dance rather than listen to what he has to say. But I want to tell you, you walk out of these doors after the message and you're walking into tension. You're walking, so pay attention. Get it? <laughs> pay attention, otherwise the tension will increase. If you're falling asleep, slap yourself and say, I need to hear this word. Because let me tell you something. If Mary did not receive the word, she would not have given birth to the savior of the world. Now put yourself in her position. It doesn't matter what people say. You're in the trouble. You're in debt. You're the one who's going through the divorce. You're the one who's having issues with relationship. You're the one who needs the savior in your life. And the word comes to you. Doesn't come to anybody else. It comes to you. And whoever brings it doesn't matter. But the word comes to you. And when the word comes to you, if you like Mary say, be it unto me according to your word, I am your servant. I am your child. I receive your word. Then what happens is that the Holy Spirit begins to come upon you and he germinates the very word you said yes to. And when you say yes to that word, now what begins to happen is on the inside of you, you begin to get, you, you, you're, you begin to get pregnant. It doesn't matter whether you're a man, woman or child. You get pregnant with the savior of your situation. The savior of your situation. You can give birth to the savior, the solution to all your problems. So pay attention because every word is a seed. Every word, it doesn't matter who it comes from, man, woman, child, pay attention. We have children in this, in this church who have prophesied over 60 and 70 year old people accurately and they've, they've received that word. So it doesn't matter. Don't dishonor the word just because of the, of the, of the image that it comes through. People have said, no, 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 no. I prefer men over women preaching. Listen, let me tell you something. God is not interested in your opinion. He did not choose a man to bring in the Savior. He chose a woman to bring in the Savior. Please, please, I'm not trying to become like a, you know, start a, a, a feminist thing in our church. But what I'm trying to tell you is man, woman, child. All of you can get pregnant with the promises of God. All of you can carry and give birth to the solution of your own problems, the own wilderness, your own, own time value of the shadow of death. You have the solution to it. Someone put your hand on your heart and say, I am the solution. In Galatians <clears throat> chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, this is in the, in the ESV version. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. There's a war going on yeah. and you're caught right in the middle. Right There's a war going on right now in your life and you're caught right in the middle of it 
And you came here now to receive the word. You are here because God planned for you to be here. He chose the exact words, the exact seed that will fill you and bring a solution to all your problems. The exact word. And so a lot of times, you know, Christians are stuck in this, in this place of the flesh, my desires, what I want to do, versus really what the Lord wants to do in our life. And people have been stuck procrastinating with their own desires, thinking that God has given them those desires. Oh, I think I'm preaching to somebody today. Either that or you did not understand a word I just said. <laughs> Listen, a lot of times people are stuck in a place of tension over many years because they have a fleshy desire, thinking that that's God's desire. And Galatians says, man, if you are in a place where you are stuck between the flesh and the spirit, you never do anything good. People have spent 5 years, 10 years, 15 years trying to wait for the word of God, trying to wait for the husband to come, trying to wait for the wife to come, when they could have just listened to God's word that was coming in the church and allowed that word to say, God, be it unto me according to your word. I don't need you to hear, I don't need to hear your voice. I hear your voice in church when I hear the pastor preach. And at that time, I say, be it unto me according to your word. And the Holy Spirit comes and then you give birth to your solution. Many people have been stuck in procrastination. If I were to take that guitar, which is my guitar, <laughs> my dearly beloved, we have gathered today. <laughs> if I were to take that guitar, which I'm not going to do now, because it's my guitar. If it was Joel's guitar, I would have taken it. If I were to take that guitar, and I would take the, the, the first string, which is an E string, because you didn't know that. <laughs> and if I were to bring it up in the front here, and I were to take that string and tune it high, tune it high, high, and tune it, and make it more tighter, and tighter, and tighter, and tighter, and tighter, and tighter, what do you think is going to happen to that string? First thing is it's not playable because it sounds off tune. It's of no use. The second thing is it will break. And that's what happens to Christians most times. <laughs> the, because you have no place of release, you are high strung as hell. <laughs> And the devil's been tuning you. <laughs> he's, been, he's been encouraging that flesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do. No problem. You, you are the one. He keeps going on tuning you. And you keep playing to his tune. Because you're listening to the word of the, the enemy. And eventually, either you sound like hell. Or you are broken. 
and you go through depression and sadness and, oh God, my life is over. I have nothing else to live for. Every opportunity is gone. You're 30 years old and every opportunity is gone? What are you talking about? You're in a church called life. Even if you're 99 and in this church, your life has just begun. Come on now. You're never too old in this church. Never, never. Age is not even a problem for God. In fact, God does not come to you and say, happy birthday. Huh? Today you are 65. Huh? Come to retirement age. Come, I'm going to give you a retirement package from heaven. Huh? On the way out, you now will start having encounters with angels because you need to recognize them on the day that you... <laughs> and then you begin to sing songs like you go to churches and you sing, I'll fly away, oh glory. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When your body, soul, and spirit is in tune with the sound of heaven. Now God can use you and release a melody that will bring transformation on earth as it is in heaven. You may, not, you may not sing, you may not play an instrument, but God can play you and can use you to bring transformation on earth. Let me tell you something, the only way you can be in tune with heaven is when you are in tune with his word. When you are in line with his word. See, it's the moment of tension where Mary had to say, be it unto me according to your word. Obedience. Are you listening? Yes. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. God desires obedience. He doesn't desire sacrifice. He desires obedience. Why? It's because every time you say, be it unto me according to your word, you're saying, God, I put the flesh down. I put my desires down. And here I am, God. I'm living for you. I want to live for you, God. I want to live so that I can fulfill your purpose. Why does he have to save your life? If you want to live for yourself, why does God need to save you? He wants to save you so that he can use you to set other people free, to bring transformation in your offices, to bring transformation in your families, to stop the fighting between husband and wife. You know why husband and wife fight at home? It's because husband thinks one thing, wife thinks another thing. It's the spirit and the flesh, same thing. Sometimes it's both flesh. It's the knowledge of good and evil. The husband thinks he's right, the wife thinks she's right. But actually, both are wrong. Some people are like giving me the look, but I guess that word is for you. <laughs> huh? It's not good versus evil. It is the truth that sets us free. How does the truth set us free? Is when we say yes to it. When Mary said yes to it, she was given the grace to not care about what people think. <laughs> she was given the grace not to worry while she's walking around in virgin clothes, pregnant. And people looking at her going, in Hindi it would be Besharam. It's like shameless. Look at you, hypocrite. You're Christian. You're Christian. Huh? 
<laughs> it's times like these where, where you have no voice. Where you have no voice against the enemy. You have no voice in that moment of tension. You have no faith. But because you said yes to Jesus. Because you said yes to his word for your life. Faith begins to rise up because of the seed. Oh, come on. This is so beautiful. This is so amazing. You don't need to do anything for your faith to rise up. The seed in you will begin to germinate. And the seed in you will begin to grow faith. There's, a, there's something called the faith of the Lord. And his faith will begin to rise up on the inside of you. And now you begin to do things that you could never have done before. Could never have done before. You know, I was, I've, I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember, I think. I think my mom and dad got saved, I think, when, when I was maybe five or six. I don't know. I don't remember. And um, I've grown up in church, you know. And it's quite amazing uh, to see uh, that it's quite amazing that I've seen churches rise and fall. I've seen people who have come to church and gone to church, have gone back home. I've seen church splits happen. You know, I've seen people, uh, church splits happen in church because one leader thinks that his opinion is right and the pastor thinks his opinion is right. And no one is submitting. And so now there are two visions in the church. That's why it's called division. Whenever there's two visions in the church, it's called division. Now you could be sitting in this room and I'm talking to you and you can have your own vision for your life and you'll be in division with me. Even before there's a physical split, there's already a mental split. And for a long time, up until now, we've come into this place. I'm telling you, life is the most Beautiful church. I've come, for me and my wife, for us to pastor this church is such a privilege. Where people take the word and they say, be it unto me according to your word. I, I walk in, listen, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't walk around thinking, hey, I'm the prophet. You know, I, I, I am here to just tell you what God is saying and I'm going away. What you do with the word is up to you. I'm walking past this. It was the same day. I walked past this lady, that same lady over there, and I heard money. I heard the sound of, you know, the slot machine go ching like that. I heard that sound, and I was like, somebody in the room is getting money. And that day, I said, I'm going to wait because the Lord told me, wait. And that day, a guy at the back gets 19,000 rupees in his bank account, just right there. Why does that happen? It's because God is saying, I have found someone that says, be it unto me, according to your word. The way we have release for the tension in our life is not by going on holiday. Although I love holidays, please don't think I don't like holidays. I love holidays, okay? But the reason for you to go on a holiday is not to have a release from the tension. Come on now. See, what, what culture has taught us is that when things get too much, brother, I need to go for a holiday. 
I think I'll go that side. I think, <laughs> I think these people are a little bit angry. Either angry or guilty, one of the two. <laughs> right? But the, but the problem is we go on the holiday, we're like, ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And you come back and the storm is just waiting at the airport for you. He's not even waiting for you to go home. He's waiting at the airport. You get off the plane and the heat hits you and it's like, oh my God, I'm back. And that very night, you're having dreams and visions of your boss firing you and you know, all that kind of stuff. And you're right back to where you were. But what if I told you the solution to that is not a holiday. It's called obedience. It's obedience to God's word. Every time you hear a message and you're in a, in a situation where you're, you, you're, you're in tension, the way to get out of, to release the tension, to release the sound of heaven, is to say, be it unto me according to your word. And when you believe God's word, it positions you now to release a sound, to release a transformation from your life, a savior to all your problems. You know, don't go to companies and look if they, if they want to hire you. Don't go to those companies and say, well, I wonder what's wrong with the company. I wonder whether they're going to pay me. I wonder whether they are the right job for me. If it was not the right job, it wouldn't have come, yeah. firstly. Secondly, the devil is not going to tempt you with a better offer. Come on now. He's not going to come, let me bless you. No, man, his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life in abundance. So every time you come from a place of little abundance to an increase of abundance, you need to know that God is opening the door for you. Don't go, go, pastor, please pray if I should take this job. No, man, I'm like, hey, listen, I've got my tension to release. I've got my things to do. You go to God and you ask him, God, speak to me. 99% of the time, he's already spoken to you. You don't have the guts to say yes. <laughs> Most time, he's already spoken to you. You already know it in your heart. You already know that when your salary comes, God has already said, I'm watching you. Are you tithing? And you know, you know, you've made plans for that money. <laughs> And now you're like, oh, what do I do? Maybe God will forgive me because God is a forgiving God. <laughs> so let me buy that watch. Let me buy that phone. Let me buy that, you know, whatever I want to buy, those pair of shoes or whatever it is. By the way, somebody's going to get a watch, a phone, and a pair of shoes right here in this section. Right here, this section. It's going to come. It's going to come. Wait, wait. It's not yours also going to come. <laughs> right? And so it's, it's, it's be it unto me every time. See, listen, don't, when God is talking to you, don't think twice. The minute you think twice, it's called division. You are doubting God's word. When the doctor's report comes, as soon as it comes, say, I disagree with this. You don't have to tell the doctor, let him say what he needs to say, because you're paying him to say that. But in your heart, say, God, I refuse this report. I believe the report of the Lord. Yes. 
Are you okay? So Jesus, when, when Jesus was with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, he took his disciples up to pray. And are you guys okay? Yes. Are you enjoying this? Yes. Yeah. When Jesus went up the mount of, mountain of Gethsemane with his disciples and he, he gets onto the mountaintop and now he's in probably the most anguish, the most, the moment of tension that we've ever seen Jesus in. He's gone up and he's taken his disciples hoping that his church will pray with him. While he's going through this tension, I hope these, these are my friends, you know, they're my, my life group. I hope that they will pray with me. And Jesus now is in the moment where he, he, he's enjoying life. He's enjoying doing the miracle signs and wonders. And he has suffering to go through. And death that he has to go through. Right? And Jesus now is praying. And, and he, he's praying and he's saying, God, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Take this moment of suffering away from my life. I don't want to go through this valley I don't want to experience another valley in my life. I don't want to experience another surgery. I don't want to experience another divorce. I don't want to experience this, God. And he's saying, if it's your will, take it away. But let not my will be done. But your will be done. In the moment of tension, the Bible says that when he said that, an angel of the Lord came to him and strengthened him. You need to understand, every time you say yes to God, heaven will come. You may feel you are inadequate. You may feel you are not qualified. You may feel like, like when God called me to pastor a church, I was like, uh, I've preached one sermon in seven years, God. How am I going to preach 52 sermons every week? Like, come on, I'm going to preach 52, 52 sermons a year from preaching one sermon a year in seven years. I don't have it. I did not have the degrees. I did not have the qualification. I, all I knew was read my Bible, pray every day, pray every day. Pray. So, so I read my Bible and I pray every day, pray every day, pray. God, please come. God, please help me. You, then God would say, did you say yes to me or no? And then I say, yes, God, you said yes. Then don't live according to what circumstance says. Live according to who I've called you to live. And in that moment, I had to make a choice. I can mope around and cry around and, and, and make a sad story and sorry story for myself and what disqualifies me. Or I can put my faith in what God says about me. And so when I chose to put my faith in what God said, I just stood up on the stage and I started opening my mouth. And trust me, I was shocked more than the people as to what came out of my mouth. Every decision that we've made as this church through turbulent times in this city has been a God-led decision. It's absolutely, look at us. We're, God has blessed us with so much freedom for us to worship here. I don't take it for granted, but I know where those decisions came from. It was in the place where I was on my knees and I said, God, I don't have it. God, I am not qualified. God, in this season, I feel like all the churches are suffering. Are we those people? And God would say, son, haven't I called you? 
haven't I called you to be my prophet? Haven't I called you to be the pastor of the church? Haven't I called you to be the light in the darkness? Haven't I called you to be salt? Haven't I called you to be a light upon a hill? Haven't I called you? I will raise you up. I will set you up on a, on a high place. I have created you. I have called you. I want to tell you this today that God has chosen you he has called you he has he specifically called you don't worry about what you have or don't have if God has set you up for a promotion don't think I have to study in order to get that promotion I have to work and now I have to I have to suck up to my boss in order for me to get that promotion or that business deal or that sales target no you don't have to do it when the sales target comes up what do you ask the Lord Lord what do you think about the sales target and the Lord will tell you what he thinks about the sales target and then you say breathe unto me according to your word and then the Holy Spirit comes and when the Holy Spirit comes he completely changes changes everything and Jesus in that moment is looking at his disciples three times falling asleep and the pastor has to speak loudly <laughs> has to scream but if the pastor speaks really softly like that everyone go into encounters in the heavens you start seeing angels with your eyes closed <laughs> hey touch your neighbor and say are you awake Even when you're not ready, say yes. Even when you're not qualified, say yes. Even when you don't have it, say yes. Even when God says go to the gym and you don't have the muscles to carry the weight, say yes. <laughs> because Jesus said yes to the Father, he went through the worst experience a human being can ever go through. But because of that experience, today we are free. He is the savior of the world. But the savior of the world comes to you every single day in the form of his word. If you're going through a situation in your life, don't run to the pastor. Run to the word. I'll repeat it again. <laughs> Don't run to the prayer group. Send a message. Pray, 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 pray. Listen, let me tell you something, okay? Are you okay? Yeah. Can I tell you something? Yeah. More prayer doesn't mean answer comes fast. God doesn't need to hear the same prayer to 100 people in order to say, there's an urgency. <laughs> Michael, go. No. <laughs> No. no, it's relational. It's relational. I was gonna do a, I was gonna do a teaching on covenant, and I'll tell you what it's about right now. God moves in your life because of a covenant, not because of your prayer, not because of how many people pray. He moves because he makes a covenant with you. Covenant with you, man. 
That's why he's called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of David, the son of David. God made a covenant with me and he has never let me down. Never let me down. Never, never let me down. And I want to tell you that if you come into a place of a covenant with God, you stand there and you say, God, I'm ready to make a covenant with you. Trust me, your life will never be the same again. It's not that you, you won't have the valley around you. It's not like you won't have shadows of death around you. Yeah, it will be around you. But trust me, you will have such authority in your life that you will be able to be fruitful, multiply, and have authority over everything in your life. So I want to give you two things, two benefits of being in tension. <laughs> Literally, write it down. Two benefits of being in tension. Not intention, in tension. The moment of tension. You ready? The first one, we were created to always live in the moments of tension because tension positions us to produce results. I'll repeat it. We were created to always live in the moments of tension because tension positions us to produce results. The Lord told me something last night. He said, I did not create humanity to survive, but I created humanity to thrive. God did not create you to survive the recession. God created you while people are getting fired around you. Huh? He's created you to thrive. Hmm? Yeah. So you put your hand up, right? Now I saw a promotion coming to you. Right? Big one. I saw a big one. I see, I see the words general manager over your head. I see it over your head. Uh, and I saw, I saw the bank, two banks, I saw two banks fighting for you. But, but the Lord says, be faithful to the, for the hand that fed you. Because that bank will raise you up and will make you a general manager in that company. I'm sorry. We were not created to survive we were created to thrive because survival puts us in a fight or flight mode. And it constantly keeps us in, a, in the moment of tension. But when you're meant to thrive, it's like in Genesis 2. Are you guys okay with teaching? Yeah. In Genesis 2, God told man, be fruitful and multiply. And then he says a word that we don't normally say in our church. He says, subdue the earth. See, in order for you to be productive, you've got to learn in, in the moment of tension to make the right choices. Because in the moment of tension is the position for maximum productivity. Yeah. Every situation around you in your life is screaming for your attention. That's why you're in tension. Come on now. I think this, I think I'm going to work here. I think now I'm getting smiles back. Yeah, that's very good. You guys are not angry with me anymore. It's in the moment of absolute pressure 
that God is looking for people who will not allow the pressure, the tension to get onto the inside of them. If the tension gets on the inside, now the tension or the fear of the circumstance will become greater than what God has called you to do. So in that moment of tension, like a sniper, you've got to allow your breathing pattern to just become calm. Everything around you should be, would be falling around you, but then the sniper knows that he has a target. And the first thing a sniper does is he, he regulates his breathing patterns. He's because the minute you have peace on the inside of you, you'll have peace when you pull the trigger. Do you understand? When you have to make that choice to take out the enemy, you will do it with confidence. You know, when God told man, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth, it meant that the earth was in chaos. See, a lot of times we think the book of Genesis uh, it was a happy story. The reason why God brought man to subdue the earth was because it was in chaos. God needed a man on the earth, a woman on the earth, so that they can subdue what was in chaos. So God would call man, God would bring, listen to me, God would bring animals to man and man would give it its name. And that's what the character and the nature of the animal and its name would be. Right? When the doctor brings a report to you, what do you call it? When your boss brings your sales targets at the end of the month, what do you call it? Because what you call it, oh, pastor, I'm sick. Oh, pastor, please pray for me. I'm sick. I'm in need. I'm needy. That means need is a lifestyle. I'm needy. Huh? I'm poor. Have you heard of that? I'm poor. The, you need to understand that every single person on this planet, God has a purpose for you. And that purpose is to subdue the problems that he brings to you. Why do you need to stay on the earth if you're not solving problems? He puts you in tension, intentionally, and then he allows the problem to come to you so that you can demonstrate power and authority over those problems so that you can subdue it. Come on now. So stop running away from your storm. Run to it. Stop running away from the sickness. Call it another name. If the doctor says you are sick, stop saying you're sick. Say, I'm healed by the blood of Jesus. That by Jesus' stripes on the cross 2,000 years ago, I am healed. Stop saying you're poor. You are not poor. It's just that you don't have money. Say, I don't have money. I'm not poor, I'm rich because God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, in glory. When you don't have money, say you're rich. Why? Because poverty around you is saying, say you're poor. Yeah. 
Say you're poor. Say you're poor. Say you're poor. Instead of saying you're poor, say, I am rich. 50 people. I am rich. Come on, man. That's the storm. That's the problem. That's why you're in tension all the time. I need to eat a couple noodles. Because I don't know my money will last till the end of the month. See, for the people who have lots of money, there are other problems I can talk about. But for the majority of the people don't have that much money. And they walk around thinking they're poor. They go to work and they're desperate to keep their job because they are poor. It's like, it's, like, it's like poverty is a spirit that hangs around people. I don't know why I'm saying this because it's not part of my message. But I need to tell you this. You are not poor if you are in this church. If you're listening to the, vo my, the sound of my voice. You are not poor. You are rich because Christ Jesus has paid the price for you. The second thing, we were created to live in moments of tension because when we are stretched, growth happens. We were created to always live in moments of tension because when we are stretched, growth always happens. You know, um, I love going to the gym. Not right now, but right here. I love going to the gym here. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you, when you go to the gym, people want to get bigger. Men, can I have a witness? That's why you wear those tight shirts, huh? and those tight t-shirts, and huh? today I worked out on my triceps, it's like. <laughs> Listen, I've done it. I, uh, I waited for everybody to leave the gym, and, and then I started working out with my banyan on, it's like. Mm. It's like you make all the faces, and then you realize, oh man, they have cameras in the gym. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> right, coming back, serious, serious. Yeah. So we go to the gym and we, we want to get bigger, but actually we don't want to get stronger. I think the mothers are clapping. The guys are like, hmm, like <laughs> all the hairs come out now. <laughs> We want to go to the gym and we pump iron and we take the supplements and we eat the food and we, some of us take other things to get bigger, but, <laughs> but we want to work out because we want to get bigger, really not worried about being stronger. See, because when you go to the gym and you lift weights, your muscles stretch for sure. But what happens to your muscles is there are the thing called micro tears. Each muscle has micro tears in it. You're, you literally tear your muscle when you're going to the gym and you're working out and then when you come back home, you're eating protein and protein and protein and, and broccoli and... 
And you're eating all this food, no fat, no fat, no fat. I'm just shredded, shredded, shredded. I want to be shredded. Six pack takes years for the six pack to come, but you're eating, eating like potatoes and boy potatoes and broccoli and, and chicken breast for like five years. Come on, man, there must be something more to life than just doing that. You know what I mean? Anyway. As you can see, I've been tortured through this life. <laughs> so like, that's why it's in my head. It's in my head. So, so you come and you work out and then you go home and you're, and you're resting. I need to get nine hours of sleep. Why? Because my muscles become bigger. <laughs> and so you go back to the gym and you work out the same muscle and, and the muscle keeps tearing and repairing and tearing and repairing. And we think that because of the size that we're stronger, no, really, no. The size is just inflammation. It's just water that goes to the muscle that tells you that your muscle is getting bigger. But actually, the reason why you, get, you, you go to the gym and work out the same muscle the next day or the day after is because you want those microfibers, the muscles that tear, that have healed during the night, to tear again. And you go back home and it heals, and you tear it again. And you keep doing this over and over again. And heaven is looking at you is like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Sam. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> and so now, and so now you, you, you become stronger the more your muscle tears and heals. The more you have tension and release, you get stronger. Are you with me? The more you're in a place of, 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 of tension and application of the word, the more you're in a crisis and application of the word, the more you're in church and listening to the word and applying it in your life, what happens is you walk out of these doors and you don't become bigger, you become stronger. And God is looking for people who are growing who are growing, not just children all the time, but God is looking for people who are growing because growing children, the strong ones, are the ones who bring transformation because the enemy is not looking for the weak ones. The enemy can walk over the weak ones, but he wants to take out the strong ones and so he'll allow circumstances to come around you thinking that he's going to take you out, but the, thing, but the thing that works against you is the thing that is actually working for you. I feel like I'm preaching to somebody today. Don't run away from your problem. Run to your problem. Don't get the enemy to intimidate you. You intimidate him because you are much stronger than you really see yourself as. Don't wait for angels to come and give you assistance. Walk in the name of the Lord. Everybody's waiting. Oh God, send me your angels. When God is saying, I've sent you. So how do I obey God in a moment of tension? How do I obey God in a moment of tension? It's called baby steps. Baby steps. Like the little microfibers that tear, take baby steps. I just for time's sake, I want to bring, uh, 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 you can read this when you go back home. It's the story about Gideon. And we know that Gideon, the angel comes to Gideon and he says, Oh, mighty man of valor. But Gideon is hiding in the wine press, thrashing wheat. He's in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. You're in your wrong job, 
doing the wrong thing. Pastors are trying to be businessmen and businessmen are trying to be pastors. In the wine press, you're thrashing wheat. But the reason why he was doing that, he was hiding from the Midianites, right? He was hiding because they were taking, they were killing all their, their crop. They were taking away all their animals and, and they were doing nasty things to the Jewish people, the Israelites. And so Gideon now, he's the youngest in his family and he's hiding. He's thrashing the wheat and he's bringing some food to his family. You're going and doing your little work and you're coming back home and, and you're giving your food to your family and, you, and you're singing Kumbaya, holding hands, praying, God, will you provide our next meal for us? God, thank you for providing our next meal for us. And you don't know where the next meal is coming from. You're in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. You're not being fruitful. You're not multiplying. You know why money will come to you? Money will come to you when it knows that you can multiply it. And Gideon now, he has this visitation of the angel. And uh, so the angel says, oh, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And there's no valoring happening over there right now. Okay? He's hiding. And God says, mighty man of valor. I've chosen you to take out the Midianites. You need to understand, 15,000 people. God has chosen you to take out 15,000 people by yourself. <laughs> nah, maybe I'll try this side. I think, I think they, these guys are better. They're happy today. Huh? God is telling Gideon, I've chosen you, one man, to take out 15,000 people in battle. 15,000 people in battle. Oh, mighty man of valor. It's amazing. Gideon, in that moment, had a choice to choose either what his circumstance is telling him, what his family is defining him as. You know, small man, you all. Just humble yourself. Yo, just small church. Let me tell you, this small church yes. will shake the world. I'm telling you, a small church. Okay. So, so all these people are persecuting him and he's hiding and getting weak. And so now God comes to him and says, Gideon, almighty man of valor, I have chosen you to win the victory on behalf of Israel. He says, uh, how do I know it's you? <laughs> I am the angel of the Lord standing before you, telling you that you're the one who's going to take... He says, prove to me, Lord. Give me a confirmation. <laughs> that, that thing of confirmation isn't, you know... It kept people in, in procrastination for centuries. Don't. Please, don't ask for a sign that God is talking to you. It's like, you know, my wife comes to me. Now, actually, I come home from work and my, and my wife is there and I said, babe, I'm really hungry. Can I have some food to eat? And she says, give me a sign. It's you. 
is exactly what heaven does when we ask God for a confirmation. <laughs> it's relationship. I never ask my wife, uh, honey, can you give me a confirmation that it's you talking to me? No, man. No. No. And so anyway, God in his mercy gives him a confirmation. And uh, he says, okay, fine. I'll go and do it. But Gideon is so scared of his father and his family that he doesn't go during the day. He goes at nighttime. When everybody's sleeping, he takes 10 guys, not alone. He takes 10 guys with him and he goes and he does what God has called him to do. Do you understand? Even though it's not a bold step, it's a baby step, God blessed him. Do you understand? Baby step. It's a baby step. Although you're trying to push out fear and you feel you're not qualified and, and you don't feel like you've got the muscles to take on an entire army, you're not Samson, Samsung, Sam, Samson, Samson. You're not Samson and, and you haven't taken out you know, the, the, the armies of the enemy and all of that kind of stuff. You, you feel like you're inadequate. I'm just, I, I'm just, a, I'm just a tea boy in my, I'm just a waiter. I, I'm just a receptionist. I am just a secretary. I'm just an admin person. I'm just a, I'm just a manager. I'm just a sales guy. I'm just a CEO. I'm just, I'm just I, it's nothing, God. I can't, I can't be a business owner. I can't do this. I can't do that, God. But take a baby step anyways. Oh, just, even though you're a tea guy, even though, even though, even though you're, you're, you're a waiter, when you're waiting on people, it's like you're waiting on God. And as God speaks to you, you're giving them a word. And as you're giving them a word, it's bringing transformation in their life. And then they speak on a good report on behalf of you to the manager. And then the manager comes to you and says, I need you in my team. And I need you to be over people in my team. That's how baby steps become giant steps. It's baby steps. Got to take baby steps. Gideon became one of the most fierce warriors that Israel had ever had. Gideon and his 300 men took out the Midianite, 15,000 people. 15,000. He was a guy, if you read through the story, he was chasing two kings at the same time. Same time, he was going from house to house asking, where's the king? Bring him out, bring him out, bring him out, bring him out. Going to the house, knocking on the door, where's your son? You know, bring him out, bring him out. I've done that, you know, that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> and then he, 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 because God told him, I want you to destroy the army of the Midianites and their kings, he had to finish what he had started. Sometimes you think you've won the war, but you've not finished the enemy. And your obedience to God in the baby steps will finish the war, of course, but the giant steps will take out the enemy in your life. And so God has positioned us to be productive and to grow in the moment of tension. Every moment of tension. Listen, let me tell you something. Don't think it's biblical. 
like as in tension is all of us are addicted to tension we are attracted we're pulled towards tension anybody watch the india pakistan game huh anybody went to the stadium and watched the where's leon where's ruri yeah right have you ever gone there and have you taken the the losing side <laughs> have you have you rooted for the losing side and now you can see that the losing side has lost five wickets and it's like oh, tension 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 we are addicted to it we pay money to be to be tensed we go for have you ever been for a movie huh you went for mission impossible huh have you gone mission impossible it's an impossible mission and you're going there and you're watching and you're mission impossible happening it's like tension do, 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 do. and then we sit in chairs that make it even worse it's like oh my god have you ever been for a 4D movie don't take popcorn and food for it it's like i went for a 4D movie once i took nachos popcorn and juice and everything i'm sitting there and then suddenly it was i think it was batman versus superman and i was watching the movie and all of a sudden this the scene went where superman is flying and i thought that i was going to fly off my seat and i literally flew off my seat and then the popcorn and the nachos hit me in my face you know how you are feeling right now sitting at the edge of your seat i've led you into tension tricked you <laughs> i tricked you <laughs> it's like have you ever gone to uh, you know it's your it's your kids birthday party and you're blowing the balloons and you don't know when the balloon is going to explode and you're like ha <laughs> ah, good good no mommy little more little more no no please <laughs> tension 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 oh some christians are addicted to horror movies huh addicted and they said oh the nun is coming a nun huh we we literally we're addicted to you know why because god created us to live in tension but living in tension doesn't mean that you get scared and run away from it living in tension means you stand in it and subdue it let's stand